Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. An impossible goal. These guys are good. Scary good. And this crowd is going bananas. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network presented to you by our friends at BetMGM. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me, as always, my friend and co-host, Nick Martin. Uh, Nick and I will start off the program, as we always do, with our favorite underdog, and we are aligned on this one. This will be your podcast episode for Tuesday night, Valentine's Day, February the 14th. And our sweetheart bet is Columbus. Uh, They're plus 165 right now, hosting New Jersey. Devils are minus 195. The over-under here is six and a half. The Devils, over their last 10 games, the record still looks good. We've talked about this a little bit. It's been percolating. They're 7-1-2, but their underlying metrics are now kind of ugly. Uh, They're not even just middling anymore. They're owning about 43% of the expected goals. They're getting only generating around 10 high danger scoring chances while giving up 13 per 60 minutes at five on five. And they're missing Jack Hughes. So this looks like a decent spot for a Blue Jackets team that has beaten Toronto. Uh, they just beat Toronto over the weekend in Toronto. They've also got uh, a win over the Oilers in in uh, you know their last six games. They've dropped a few, but... They've also played a tight one against the Capitals, so they've been punching up better than they were earlier in the year. They're still playing pretty hard. Columbus looks like a decent bet here, and I think the number might tick up a little bit more before puck drop, too. Yeah, for sure. Just considering the prices, I like taking a shot with Columbus, and like you said, kind of with the idea in mind that New Jersey has not been playing like a true contender recently. I kind of pretty much just called them frauds in the article I wrote about their game Saturday. And I actually thought that was the best I'd seen them play in a while versus Minnesota. They still ultimately fell in a shootout. But that's basically just been the way it's going. They're not tilting the ice versus anyone. They're getting elite goaltending. They're scoring at the right times. They're winning in overtime. But none of those are the kind of things you want to hear when you're talking about backing a team as a gigantic favorite. Those are all the kind of things you want to hear when you're talking about uh, taking on an underdog. So I think it's a good chance that... uh, Columbus make this a competitive game based off what we've seen from New Jersey for the last little while. And yeah, I, I like them considering the price. All right. So jackets, that's our underdog. Uh, let's look at the big board. Now we've got nine games on Tuesday night. I uh, will start in DC where your capitals are plus plus one thirty at home, hosting the Carolina hurricanes minus minus one fifty at bet MGM. Uh, the over under here is set at six Carolina coming off a pretty embarrassing loss. I guess you could say it or, you know, a, a game where they you'd expect them to look at it like a litmus test playing the Rangers who are red hot uh, and getting smoked uh, there. But they are still 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. That's the best record of any team in the NHL in that span. And Carolina's doing what it does. It's tilting the ice in the right direction, generally at 5-on-5, five five, and it just comes down to whether or not they can uh, make good on those chances and get the goaltending. Neither one of those things uh, took Hold in the Rangers' loss. They also looked pretty bad defending in transition, I thought. But I don't think that's a huge problem against the Capitals. 
who are going to run you up and down the ice. I, I said to you off air, this feels like the quintessential game where whatever side I bet, I'd feel like it will automatically lose. So I'm passing. I feel like somehow Carolina will win, but I didn't have a, a huge angle betting wise. I just lean there. I think they're the better team. It's a good spot. I mean, obviously they're the better team, but I think it's a good spot for it to show through having been embarrassed again on home ice by the Rangers, which is how their season ended last year. We'll probably see them come out with some emergency here. They're the better team. I like their the chances and, and probably would consider them as a parlay piece. The Chicago Blackhawks and Montreal Canadiens in a lottery bowl. The Blackhawks are plus 130 on the road. Montreal minus 150, over under six. Uh, Montreal with a win over the Islanders over the weekend, which uh, we should just not talk about uh, anymore. We'll leave it there. I just think it's when you're you're nuts, you're nuts. There are going to be people out there betting the Habs, and to them, I'm like, what? You know, I, I would love to have a conversation with anybody willing to lay minus 150 with one of these bottom feeders right now, even against another one. So it would be Hawks or nothing for me, but I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't really see much uh, reason to get involved with this one. Credit to the Habs. They're competing hard. They pummeled Oilers on Sunday and, and very deservedly so. Um, and I do think for them, it's almost a whole different game in these ones where they're actually expected to carry more of the play. Like they like to sit back with guys behind the puck. And I think that showed versus Edmonton that they kind of just caught them in transition a couple times and that sort of thing. And just just being patient and picking off their mistakes which I think makes it a whole different game when you're now playing a Chicago where the game is probably going to look entirely different. So I think that's probably one thing worth noting when you're considering taking them on as a favorite versus a massive underdog as they are most, most nights. We'll flip the script. We'll flip the table. We'll talk about two teams near the top. The Bruins are minus 125 in Dallas. Stars plus 105, a rare five and a half total. Looks like Jake DeBrusque might be back for the Bruins in this one. Um, just good news generally for them. It's also Jim Montgomery's return to Dallas, uh, his first game back there as a head coach since uh, he was let go for uh, personal conduct a few years ago. I, another one that I just don't really have a feel for, I think this, these two teams, you, you can play, they can play for 100 times, uh, and, and I feel like I'd pick wrong 100 out of 100 with the way that they play. It's just... Uh, it's really tough. They're they're both teams that rely on you know they're the top of the lineup to do a lot of heavy lifting. They get great goaltending, defensively solid. It's just you know almost two two mirror images. It's just the Bruins are a better version of it uh, this season. So a a pretty easy pass as well. Yeah, I thought this looked like a good uh, spot to pass as well. Um, I still think Boston are really good. They haven't looked as potent offensively recently. It seems like they're skating in more close contests, and I think that's obviously how this one's going to look. It's interesting to note, I know I've been talking about this trend a lot, but I, I do think it's really relevant in these games. Boston has absolutely dominated the West this year, as have all the top six teams in the East and pretty much the whole East. But when you like really look at it, so Boston's 16-2-2 two two versus the West. Dallas has lost as many games versus the East as it has won. So... That's kind of relevant. Like, I, as much as I'm not overly high on the Bruins being like the best team in the league by a mile, like the record suggests, I still think of anything I'd lean there just on the merit that what they've done in the East is so much, so much tougher. Um, and that's kind of been a trend I've been picking on Dallas with a little bit recently. And, 
and to pretty good results because I caught them uh, with their loss versus Tampa, their loss versus Buffalo, a couple of those ones. And it does just seem like when they play the top teams in the East, they're never blowing them out. They're always in it. So I definitely would lean Boston considering the spot. But with that in mind, it hasn't looked like the Bruins are far and away the best team in the league for a little bit now. Yeah, and it's, they'll be an interesting team to keep an eye on um, because it, it it depends on how they're priced on a game-to-game basis, obviously. But is the market going to price them like the team that had a historically good first half uh, when we you can feel pretty confident that they're not going to repeat that performance in the second? So these are the types of games that you'll see them drop. And they, like you said, they haven't looked great. I think that they deserve maybe a little bit better result against the Capitals. Uh on Saturday, but full credit to the Capitals defensively for kind of hanging in there. Uh, and as you said, the the offense has sort of dried up a little bit. They're a team that I think it, it's it's interesting at the deadline for what the strategy is because there you can make such a salient argument that you shouldn't touch the team at all. This is a team that's going to run away with the President's Trophy, but at the same time, uh, they could run into that their kind of age old problem, which is sometimes the Bruins just go cold offensively, and it doesn't matter how much. Uh, they tilt the ice if they're not getting the easy goals. So just something to keep an eye on with the Bruins, who are plus 450 to win the Stanley Cup right now. Yeah, to, uh, talk, to comment on that, I would not. I saw they actually boosted this on a couple shops. Say, I would not touch the Bruins at plus 500. I think we said that on this podcast. And that's not a diss to Boston, but it's like Colorado was the lowest I would have ever endorsed last yeah. year. And that team was so fucking good. And their route was so, so much easier so now you're talking Boston's got the same price, same so, point yeah. in the year. I think it was literally February when I posted the Avs last season. I I would not take that on. It's And that's not a diss to Boston at all. It's so hard to win in the playoffs. Like when they get there and they're playing like three, two games every night that are going to be such a grind, it's it's just, I think it's going to be a lot harder than uh, it seems for sure. Yeah, it's a good point about the Avalanche being that same price. And also, it's not like the Bruins are going to get shorter than this, right? <laughs> So like no, if you if you are no someone who, at this point. yeah if if, if you are someone like, who loves the Bruins yeah. and just don't have any skin in the game and you want it just wait you'll yes. get it at the same price and they're they're a little bit of a race for the Presidents now it's seven points with Carolina and it's ten points with the Devils probably doesn't matter a lot because they're going to finish one or two I would right. say and those are the basically as long as you don't drop into that second seed it doesn't really change anything so yeah something to keep an eye on there and that's another part of me. I want them to win the presidents, but I also could enjoy it if there's a race because it's getting a little boring. The Seattle Kraken are on the road in Winnipeg, plus 125. Uh, Seattle is uh, Jets minus 145. The overrunner is six. Once again, these odds and all of them coming to you via bet MGM. Uh, I actually will probably bet Seattle in the spot. The goaltending mismatch is a little frustrating. Kraken aren't in great form. It's funny what happens to a team when everything stops going in the net uh, and all of a sudden you're 899 Martin Jones uh, save percentage where he's leading the league in like wins or he's close to like the conference lead and wins with that below average save percentage. Uh, it becomes a problem. So uh, it's tough one to swallow with the goaltending mismatch going up against Connor Hellebuck and an offense that is, is starting to struggle to score. Uh, but the Jets aren't in great form either, so it's not a, a bad price to take on Winnipeg here, even at home. Yeah, and I think the Kraken have been, I wouldn't say necessarily out of form. I think you kind of touched on the main things, like the goaltending's fallen. Like, it's basically just the flaws that we thought would eventually show through have. 
Because, I mean, the Philly game was really impressive on most levels. The puck just happens to get in their net three times, but I thought other than that, it really wasn't very close and that they were pretty strong offensively. I thought parts of the Rangers game were pretty reasonable and same with the loss uh, in New Jersey. So I, I feel like I still like a lot of what this group has to offer. It just seems like it's going to be so hard to outscore their uh, goaltending situation, especially when you're playing Connor Hellebuck. So that's what scares me off a little bit there, but... Yeah, I, I, I definitely see the thinking there with the Kraken at plus 125. It's a price that wouldn't have been there two weeks ago, right? Like three weeks ago, whatever. Like it's, This is a... Uh, I think you're hoping for Grubauer now. Yeah, <laughs> like it's really funny. Scared. When I bet hilarious. on Seattle uh, early on Saturday, I was looking at it thinking they probably would play Grubauer, and I was happy when he did play, which is kind of a stat, sad state of affairs. But like that's the reality of it. Jones is getting dummy lately, so... Yep. It's a little it's, scary on that front. And, and a quick point to bring up just about that. And this is leading into a little bit of a trade deadline strategy. I think a good example of this is the Oilers. A good goaltender raises the crack in ceiling quite a bit. Um, so let's say there's some smoke around the crack in acquiring a goalie. Uh, first one to come to my mind would just be Semyon Varlamov because he's lives you know relatively close to me here on Long Island. And he's the Islanders goalie and he's a pending unrestricted free agent. I, I, whether or not he's available, it remains to be seen. But if smoke starts to percolate around it, crack and acquiring a goalie of that caliber, uh, then they become more appealing in terms of some some future markets if you're interested in, in them. And I, and I think the same is true of the Oilers. Whereas teams like um, Timo Meyer, notwithstanding, with, with the examples I'm about to bring up, but like Tampa Bay or Toronto, uh, Boston, they're not playing too far from their ceiling. Uh, as a team already like we we've kind of seen these these are great teams uh some of the best teams in the league does acquiring a you know a defenseman boost the bruins from the best team in the nhl to the best best team in the nhl no but if the the oilers can get a a, you know a good solid defenseman or something for their team it, it their ceiling is can be expanded i guess is what i'm trying to say or risen yeah yeah, and the Kraken, two of the ones for me that I would raise a ton and really want to get involved with. The Kraken, if they got a really solid goaltender, and the Kings, if they got a really solid yep. goaltender. Those are two teams future-wise I'd be watching. Where like Because those deals don't have to be that big of deals. Like if the Kings trade for Vejmelka or something, that's right. not going to break all the headlines. I still think he's so much better than Phoenix Copley that when you look at it on a replacement level, it would really expand their uh, potential. So I think those would be two situations I'm watching for sure. The Tampa Bay Lightning are in Colorado to take on the Avalanche. This one's basically a pick them. The over-unders at six. Uh, Avalanche are a slight, slight home favorite. That might flip uh, when people kind of figure out what's going on with the Avalanche lineup. Again, Kale McCarr and Eric Johnson look to both be out uh, for this one. So they might get Josh, Josh Manson back on the blue line. They just waved Brad Hunt. He'll be probably called right back up. Uh, and it's just an absolute circus with the injuries with this avalanche team it's the exact opposite of the rangers where uh you got the rangers who have had i think 13 man games lost in their top nine uh and then two man game loss in their top five defensemen and then the avalanche probably have more missed than they have played if you count landis Gog, right so it's just insane that said i, I like the bolts here in, in a pick them uh as long as it doesn't get too out of hand tampa bay's playing really strong hockey uh for the most part this season they came out of the break, had a little bit of a blip, back-to-back losses of just a 
absolute joke of a loss against the Panthers, which they didn't show up for. Then they blew a lead to San Jose. Started to hear some murmurs about the Lightning. Oh, is this, you know, are they going to swoon? Are they finally tired? Do they maybe just not want to get off the beach after the All-Star break and, and pull their bootstraps up for the for another stretch run? And then they come back and with two uh, impressive wins. I know the the 5 nothing win against the Avalanche at home was... The Avalanche didn't have Kale McCarr, but it's still a comprehensive victory. Uh, and then they beat the Stars. So this Lightning team, to me, uh, they remain interesting. It's it's if you if you maybe pick a team in in the top like six on the odds board that I think represents the best value to win the Stanley Cup, it probably would be Tampa in the teens um, because of the goalie. We know what they can do, and and similarly, like you'd kind of just expect them to make a move at the deadline to just shore things up a little bit uh, like they did with Brandon Hagel, who's been awesome this year. But uh, in terms of Tuesday night, without McCarr, without Johnson, I think this number looks a little cheap on uh, Tampa. Yeah, I didn't really see much here. I just, because I still really love where the Avalanche have been. Their games really come around. And outside of that Tampa performance, they've been yep. excellent. Yep. So that's my angle of uh, concern there. But the McCarr loss hurts. The Johnson loss even hurts because basically he's been forced into more of a role than they want. So it's just one of those things you can't even evaluate really the abs this season because it's been so so few nights where they've had the roster um I, I, you could probably throw the avalanche in that conversation we just had too right like los angeles i think is a good example edmonton the ceiling gets raised with, with the right defenseman coming in seattle goaltender i mean you can even make a case for pittsburgh with a goaltender but i don't think the ceiling is, is high enough to, to really warrant but with colorado if they can make some savvy, just depth additions. Like if they could just get warm, effective bodies into their lineup, um, then you're talking about a, a, a team that's ceiling has been raised. And we already saw this, what this team can do last year. So uh, they're another one as well. For sure. And they like compared to say the lightning who any move is going to be really, really complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised we haven't heard a little more talk about the abs trading for some of the bigger pieces. And maybe they're just working a little quietly because it is going to be a lot less difficult for them to do some of those moves than than to say Tampa Bay. So yep. I think that's interesting. I'm excited to see what they do at the deadline and and hopefully it's bringing in some uh, some fun names. All right, so both for me there. Uh, we'll wrap up with this one before we talk about top shelf bets. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins minus 150 against the San Jose Sharks who are plus 130 right now. The over under six and a half. Pittsburgh is wrapping up a West Coast road trip here. San Jose is coming back west after having a pretty impressive showing uh, out on the east on, on both sides of the all-star break. San Jose has been interesting this year. If you bet them every game that they were a dog, that's a lot of them because they're bad, uh, you'd be down money. But if you bet them in the games where they were plus 170 or higher this season, they're one of the best bets in the league. They were 7-8 and eight, uh, when I checked this morning for an ROI of nearly 40%. Uh, you would have won about 580 bucks had you blindly bet $100 each time the Sharks fit that bill. They're not going to fit that bill with uh, the way this market sets up with them just at plus 130 at home. But it kind of just drives home a point that they can punch up pretty well. They they generally don't get played off the park. They have good underlying numbers. They've got good five-on-five five statistics. They just don't have any talent. Uh, we've said it 100 times. And here's something worth thinking on. Over the last 25 games, the Pittsburgh Penguins have uh, played to a point pace three points better than San Jose. That's it. So 
this is it's hyperbolic to say there's really not much of a gap between these team two teams because there is there's a wide gap but in terms of their current form and the fact that the penguins goaltending is an absolute mess right now the gap is just not as wide as you'd think it would be when you just think pittsburgh penguins were san jose sharks yeah and the pens are catching them in a good spot here i would say which is the one thing working in their favor they obviously still have so much more talent but the issues with pittsburgh are pretty legitimate even with uh letang back in the lineup we're still seeing they've got some of the worst defense off the rush in the entire league they're giving up a ton of chances they're inside the top four uh chances against off the rush in the last month and i think that concern is just going to keep keep popping up so i don't really value them as much of a top side but you know it's hard it's still hard for me to want to back san jose here it's Mm -hmm. just i kind of i see the arguments for both yeah it's a tough spot numbers not high enough uh but hey you never know maybe it gets a little better but u.s capitals families and islander fan will both be rooting on those sharks who beat your caps on sunday Um, skated right through them right through them (laughs) yeah Uh, it wasn't even a game and on that that note, we will turn to Top Shelf Bets, our favorite bets, Tuesday, Feb- February 14th, Valentine's Day. Top Shelf, where Mama hides the cookies. Uh, I'm going to set this one up for you. The Ottawa Senators are plus 145. They will be on the second night of a back-to-back on Long Island, taking on the Islanders, who lost, uh, blew a third-period lead against the Canucks and then blew a third-period lead against the Canadians in two games that they frankly just needed to win uh the islanders are minus 170 the over under six despite the fact that the sky is currently falling uh around islander fans they are four one and one in their last six so it's like those two games were ugly they played terribly but the you take a step back and like they are four one and one in their last six um they will have a perhaps maybe the biggest goaltending advantage we've seen all season in this one yeah that's kind of the centerpiece of my play here I just love it's such a good spot for the Islanders at home catching the Sens on a back-to-back with it's I mean it could be that they go back-to-back with Sogard and they could be an NHL debut for Kevin Mandelis that I, I honestly don't, haven't watched him don't know much about him but he's got an 879 save percentage in the AHL this year which is a far cry below Sorokin and I think the Islanders will just control much of the play here I thought this number should have been closer to minus 190, and I thought a play in regulation at minus 110 on the on the Islanders is a really good value, and I think it'll get there. And to talk about, we talk about this all the time in the NHL, and it still happens. So um, with the line not anticipating which goalies are actually going to start when they're initially released, like it shouldn't be rocket science, but apparently it is. And I thought a really good example was the Flames versus Ottawa which is about to commence in two hours. That line opened at minus 130 for Calgary when everyone knew Helberg couldn't play or Forsberg couldn't play with having torn both MCLs. Talbot's on the IR. It was always going to be a third string goalie. And then somehow when the confirmation comes in of that, the line is now minus 165. So that's that instance I love to point out on the NHL that it's like, such a good spot and i think this is kind of going to be one of those like i'll be surprised if it's not minus 185 or minus 190 by game time just don't trust the islanders just don't trust them my josh bailey take uh last last week best bet for me was josh bailey to anytime goal scorer because that's like oh you know he's starting to show some signs of life with horvat and barzell then he turned in two of the worst games um you can imagine from a first line player 
against the Canucks and uh, Canadians. So I won't be going back to that bet on on Tuesday night. So you can pencil him in for a goal. Um, the Florida Panthers are my favorite bet. They're minus one twenty in St. Uh, excuse me. They're yeah, they're minus one twenty in St. Louis. The the Blues are uh, even money at home. The over under is six and a half. The Panthers are, I think, maybe in a funny way, they're getting more credit than they deserve um, for what's going on in the Eastern Conference playoff race. They are close. They have closed the gap, and they do look like a, the team that probably, from the outside, has the best chance of making uh, taking one of Pittsburgh or Washington's spot. But it's not like they've been, you know, playing the lights out here. Uh, they are tilting the ice generally in the right direction. It's not like they're dominating at five on five, and they're only five three and two. Uh, in their last 10. So Florida is not, I think the, the expectation that they're going to just kind of waltz into the playoffs is, is maybe a little overblown. However, uh, you could make the argument that the blues have been one of the bottom 10 teams in the NHL uh, for quite some time. They're giving up three and a half goals per 60 minutes of five on five over their last uh, 10 games. And they are getting the ice. They're just getting caved in at five on five is basically uh, what it looks like is they're not generating enough scoring chances. Uh, they lost Tarasenko. They lost Mikola. That's a, a white flag. Their last game, they just gave up five goals to the Arizona Coyotes. So many red flags here. Uh, I think this line will, will probably tick up on Florida, so we want to bet it early. But I like the Panthers here, minus 120. Yeah, I fully agree. I love it for the Panthers. I think they're such a good team to expose all the flaws that uh, St. Louis has on the back end and in goal. So, yeah, I, I like it. I think... Yeah, down to minus 135, I'd probably still play it. it. It's really strong. And yeah, the Blues probably held up a little more based off name power and the fact that some people thought they would be a lot of, uh, still contending team this year and that they've like been me. there. Yes, fair enough. I wasn't going <laughs> to steer you like that. But anyways, there's a lot of people who thought that. And obviously this core has accomplished a lot. And I think that kind of has hidden the fact of how long it's just been horrible. Like they've been getting caved in for months now. And as you said, the situation outside of having O'Reilly back is now worse than ever. So yeah, I like it. I think Florida and I kind of like the over as well was another play, or maybe if you want to combine the two or a Florida team total, like something like five, three Panthers just seems so realistic to me here. Those blues did. They did give Colorado a good run for their money last spring, but this season has been an absolute disaster for them. Uh, so there you have it. Another episode of Line Change is done and dusted. Uh, the Blue Jackets are our co-endorsed uh, underdog. They're taking on the Devils and then the Islanders in regulation for you and the Florida Panthers money line for me is my favorite. If the player. Islanders don't win in regulation, I'm blaming it on uh, my Super Bowl hangover today. And that, that I think that's maybe what, you know, that's what tricked me on your guys. If the Islanders don't win in regulation on Tuesday, I will not be surprised one bit so <laughs> there you have it uh for nick martin i'm michael leboff we wish you best of luck with all your bets on tuesday and beyond action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem help is available 24 7 at 1-800-GAMBLER